Welcome to the Teams with Edge podcast with me, your host, Ashley Livingstone. I'm an entrepreneur, leader, passionate community advocate, and at the end of the day, I'm a human being who loves to learn, be creative, and who admittedly makes mistakes along the way. Over the past 18 years, I've worked with a lot of leaders and teams, and while many have thrived, some have faltered or even become well, toxic. And I've realized this is not unique to me. In fact, we've all been there. So I'm on a mission to help leaders become the leaders they want to be, to create a thriving, sustainable culture, which inspires their team and helps them and their businesses succeed. This show will offer insights and interviews with various like-minded leaders who are all inspiring their teams, having those uncomfortable conversations, investing in development, and building a culture of gratitude and value. They're making an impact every day. My goal is to motivate you to think about the type of leader you most desire becoming and inspire you to connect, engage, and develop your teams ultimately showing up for them so they show up for you building intentional conscious leadership we can totally do this all right let's go welcome to this week's episode of teams with edge today's guest is alexis dean she is the founder and lead steward of the dovetail community an invitational community of high-performing female entrepreneurs and experienced consultants. The core of the community is personal connections, one-on-one, or small facilitated group sessions, which are designed to build supportive relationships to take the stress out of entrepreneurship. Alexis and I had a great conversation covering the importance of building community around your business the difference between community and followers, and how critical it is that your team is also part of your community and that they feel a part of your community. In fact, there were so many great ideas, we had to split this podcast into two parts. In part one of our conversation, I talked to Alexis about what makes a strong community, the difference between fans and followers, and a true community and how to sustain that community when we can't meet face-to-face. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Teens with Edge. Alexis, I am so excited that you are here joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here, too. Yeah. So we first met a few years ago um, through a mutual friend, which is always lovely, a great way to meet new people. And that's really how I was first introduced to your community while we were creating Camp Dovetail. And for me, it was such an interesting opportunity to see so many women supporting other women through leadership and mentorship. And I just loved what you had created. And I know it's something you're so passionate about, right? Yes, totally. I am... Oh, I miss being able to run camp, but I'm really hopeful that we'll get to do it again next year post COVID. Yeah, absolutely. So for you, you know, people throw around that word community, I think a lot, and it has 
not different definitions, but I think people use it in different ways. Um, you know, there's online communities, there's your physical community, but you talk about it a little bit and wrap it around culture as well. And so talk to us a little bit about what's the difference between, you know, fans and followers versus the community that you really have created with Dovetail. Yeah, I think that word is getting thrown around a lot these days. Like if you are on Instagram, you see a lot of influencers saying my community this and my community that. And to be fair, some influencers do have actual communities, but most have followings. And I think there's a a big difference between an actual community of people that are interacting with one another and supporting one another and actually know and serve one another uh, versus a top-down sort of thing, which is a following, which is if there is an influencer and they have people following them and listening to them, that's kind of an omnidirectional uh, rather than an interactive experience like an actual community. So it's been interesting because, you know, when we say the Dovetail community and the programs we're running, sometimes that gets confused with the influencer dynamic and the influencer situation. So I've kind of made it part of my mission to get out and explain to people what the difference is and and how community can actually serve us all a whole lot more than the one directional influencer experience. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's one thing to just like someone or, you know, follow them online, but excuse me, how do you become like super, I don't know, into the community? I think that's, is that a barrier for people maybe is like, how do you, you step over that going from being a follower to actually becoming part of the community? Well, I think it needs to be set up for you. I think a lot of, um, you know, businesses and, and I keep going back to influencers, but that's not even what we're talking about. But a lot of businesses have followings, they have an audience, they have clients or users, but they don't create the experience for those people to actually interact with one another uh, or for the team to interact with each other and for the team to interact with the users or the clients or the followers in a way that can actually foster community. So as somebody uh, like the end user or client or the follower of somebody on online or whatever it may be, it's very difficult to create that yourself. Uh, there are situations where people create almost like a, a community of fans where they, you know, they're, they're obsessed with the brand and then they end up hosting gatherings or finding ways to bring people together. And you find that in like groups like Lululemon, I think their yoga practice started mm-hmm with fans of, of Lulu creating yoga classes and things and getting together almost independently. And then Lulu was like, oh, we should be hosting this and bringing together people into the stores for classes and, and actually building the community ourselves. So, yeah. So, and that's such a big difference. And it's something that I, you know, with the programs that I run and even my events that I do, I'm always about the experience. And I love two-way engagement because that's really how we're actually going to have those shared experiences. And when we have shared experiences, we know that we then have shared memories Mm -hmm. and it, it just really does enhance that bond. So what is one of the biggest mistakes that people make when they think they're creating a community, but really they're kind of gone down the path of followers and fans? 
I think it's just not creating opportunities and facilitating opportunities for people to have genuine interaction with one another. Um, I see it in so many companies or so many businesses where they'll host and, you know, this year there have been a lot of online summits and things and you go to them and whether it's in person or it's online, when there's just one person talking at everyone from a stage, you know, that is a very difficult situation to build genuine community because then you're expecting people, you know, in, in, uh, the hallway or maybe after, after the event drinks or, you know, if it's online, maybe you're like, Oh, you can go into the, whatever the hallway, virtual hallway. And then people are kind of left to their own devices to try to connect. And it's so awkward that people are like, I, I don't know, like, what do I even say to people? This is so strange. And I think it's just so, so much easier than people think it would be to create those experiences for people to build connection in between. So rather than having that omnidirectional experience, um, and this is internally or externally within a company, right? Like it's the same thing. You know, if you have town halls for your business, whether you have a small team or a large team, if it's just the CEO and the leadership speaking to the employees and you're not creating opportunities for people to interact with each other and build those genuine bonds and to have deeper conversations, you're not really building a community of staff. And then externally, it's the same thing. If you just host summits and events or whatever you're hosting and there are just speakers speaking at <laughs> your, your so-called community, that's not really fostering the experience. So I think there are so many simple things we can do just starting with, you know, beginning your experience with breakouts of two people, whether it's online or in person, like that's such a basic thing. But when you put people into conversation with one other person, and this is something I've been doing at all of our events for years, but just gives them that equal opportunity to share and to have their voice be heard. And it makes them feel like they're part of something right away. And especially if you give them a good question to answer or something that ties back into the theme of whatever you're doing. Yeah, I love the leading questions as well, because oftentimes too, people get awkward. I've, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm a pretty outgoing person and I love engaging with new people. But even over this past year, I get sometimes put into breakout rooms and I'm like, I kind of want to hit mute and hit stop video. And I just kind of want to peace out for a bit. But it's so much easier when you're going into a breakout room with someone and you have a topic to discuss Mm -hmm. and it really does give purpose to the conversation and helps you build those connections. Or I find too, when somebody says, Ashley, you need to talk to this person and here's Mm -hmm. why and, and vice versa. And so when you finally have that conversation with someone, you're like, Oh yeah, this is why, this is why we're connecting. And you know, it, it really does help build that belonging sense. Mm-hmm. And, and it really, for me personally, that's what I always get the most out of is those, you know, authentic connections, but that have been made or suggested by people that I know, like, and trust. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you have a really small team and you're like, well, that doesn't really apply. Like we're just an automatically a community because there's only three or four or, you know, fewer than 10 of us working. It doesn't actually just happen automatically, right? Like we still need to be intentional and starting with whether you're in person or remote, starting with those pairs of people having deeper conversations, like that's where community begins. So if you're a listener and you're hesitant to want to do anything like that, because it's such a small group, I start almost every single one of our small group um, online experiences for our ladies. We start with a breakout of two people. So you're with a partner. It's only a few minutes, but you have just the opportunity to have a better conversation, feel connected, feel like your voice is being heard. 
and it gets us all kind of on the same theme and answering the same questions. And yeah, it's just a, an easy way to start. It doesn't have to be like a massive intimidating project to try to start to build community in around your business. In Dovetail, we have a really firm no pitch policy um, and we curate our events. So you have to apply to come. And that's not because we're, you know, exclusionary people. It's because we want to make sure that people understand that this is not just a networking event. It's not an opportunity to bring out the business cards. We don't really even allow business cards, but it's a chance to build real relationships and a real community. And, you know, so much comes out of that. I mean, the number of women that have done business together and created collaborations and partnerships, we've had acquisitions. We've had investors investing in one another through the community. And that stems from genuine relationships and an actual community. And I think that is so possible in every business among the employees and also just among the wider community. And it doesn't have to be that you're running a business like mine to build a community that really serves your company and your mission. I mean, I have great examples of there are grocery stores that have communities built in and around them, which is fantastic. Like Wagner's in the States is one of them. There are shoe companies, uh, Livy and Luca Shoes is a children's shoe company. And they have communities of moms that gather. And of course, they're like diehard fans of the shoes, but they're also diehard fans of each other. And, you know, they support each other with all the things that motherhood entails, especially this year. And, you know, they do online gatherings and when it's safe, they do in-person gatherings. And there are just so many interesting ways to build those relationships among your employees and then among your clients or your users or your, um, yeah, your buyers. I think it's uh, it's cool to see it becoming more popular to build community. And I think that that's such a good point because what it is, it does need to be authentic, right? We can't fake our way through this because like you said, it is going to show mm-hmm. and you can tell... You can tell because at some point your poker face comes off and, <laughs> and then yeah. you're, it's like exposed. But, you know, I also think that one of the biggest challenges or mistakes that some companies make is they skip that team. So Mm -hmm. they focus so much on the client or the end user. They put everything into that experience to the point where they're, you know, completely almost, I don't want to say neglecting their team. That's like harsh, but Mm -hmm. they may skip to that nurturing of the team or that team engagement. But what they don't realize is that if you want your end user to have a great experience, it cascades out from your team. Mm-hmm. And you can't have, you can't show up and give someone a great experience if you're not in it mm-hmm. and you don't believe in it. And so I am a big believer in always team first. And if you don't have a huge team, I think that in, you need to show up, right? Mm-hmm. If it's a solopreneurship or, if you're outsourcing and you have a lot of contract people working, that's still your team, right? A team doesn't have to just be paid employees. And, yeah. and how you actually message that to contract employees who may have multiple contracts is an interesting, uh, an interesting opportunity. I was going to say obstacle, chose, <laughs> chose different words, opportunity, opportunity. <laughs> for yeah. sure. And I think people do kind of forget that, or 
I think it's something that you learn when you do it wrong. <laughs> I think people have those experiences where perhaps their best intentions were not conveyed out to the end user, the client, or the buyer, or whatever it might be, because their team didn't get it in the first place. Yeah. And uh, they're the ones who are often forward facing to your clients. And when they're not showing up, feeling like they have a community to turn to, of course, they can't help establish community with your buyers, users, clients, whatever it might be. But at the same time, like we, we get it, right? Like we're all human and leaders are, I'm going to maybe say doing the best that they can with what they know how to do right now. So this is such a great learning opportunity. So instead of seeing this as a, oh, great, another thing on my to-do list, <laughs> right? It's a new learning opportunity about how from start to finish, what's that experience like? Yeah. And I think it actually, if you do it well, mm -hmm. um, it takes things off your to-do list. Yeah. Because it increases buy-in from your team members, whether they're contractors or full-timers or part-timers, when they feel like they're part of not only your team, but part of the mission and part of this community that exists around your business. And you know, hopefully the team is also getting involved with clients and users and feeling like they're part of a larger mission or a larger community. Again, going back to the Lulu example, where like a lot of their team members show up for the yoga classes that clients are going to. Too, or Lydia and Luca has a lot of moms that are employed for the shoe company and they go to the, the sessions with the, the clients or the buyers and, you know, a lot of those mom programs and things. So I think if you do it right, it just increases your retention. It has, it's just an opportunity for your employees to want to take on and take initiative and build stronger relationship with the clients or the buyers. And there's a lot that can come out of it. It's not always easy. And I genuinely feel like most people that have strong culture have probably screwed it up before. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I think you can really start small. And you know, if you're in a place in your business where there's nothing coming up, that's going to force you to like take really big actions. I think you can tiptoe into it a little bit and, uh, and grow your community that way rather than trying to snap your fingers and expect it to grow. I guess that's another point too. Like I didn't grow Dovetail as a community overnight. <laughs> I started with 12 people. Um, and then we did a very different event and it grew over like a period of like three and a half years. And that's again, most, most companies that have built communities in and around the company it didn't happen overnight. They started really small. Maybe they didn't do it the way they wanted to right off the bat. Yep. You know, they made some mistakes here and there and they've evolved and grown it and changed things. And now they're known as companies that have phenomenal community and culture built around them. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I know sometimes too, I struggle with that, like instant gratification, right? Like I did it. Why isn't it working? <laughs> yeah. I want it now. And really like trying to remember constantly reminding myself that this is like one step on the path towards the end goal and which at the end of the day there is no final end goal right it's just like a constantly ever evolving um journey but that i want it now i did it right i followed it did the things um so i think you do need a lot of patience and resiliency as well to know that, okay, that didn't work. I'm going to shift this way. And oh, okay, that kind of worked. And that, you know, you know, combining things, just knowing how to take what works and feels the best and keep applying it and just stay with it, I guess, as well. Yeah, 
I think it's like anything in business. There's no overnight success. There's no snapping your fingers and something like this comes together. It's a slow and gradual process. And um, I think it's just like, yeah, keeping those core values at the heart of it, keeping your intentions as an organization at the heart of it and not letting yourselves go down the path of, well, Enron's a massive example, but I know you and I probably talked about this before where, you know, Enron, the oil and gas company that had like a massive oil spill and then they lied and they covered it up and it was this huge thing. But when you walked into their offices, the number one core value right on the front, like front entrance, the wall, it was integrity. (laughs) And that was like their, you know, biggest, highest value according to what was on the wall, but they were not living that at all. And the community of employees, well, it probably wasn't even a community of employees, probably just employees, were clearly not feeling that when they were making decisions to lie to, well, lie to the world, not just their yep. buyers. Yeah. The, That's such a good point. Of, and this is, I think, a bit of a trap too, that some organizations make is... and I It's not box checking, right? So don't just have a strategic planning or sit down and come up and define your core values as just words that you put on the wall mm-hmm. in your office, that that's step one. Step two is what actions are you going to take mm-hmm. every single day that promote that? And constantly looking at the, okay, is this decision in line with any of my core values? Does you know this working with this company or taking on this business... Um, or how I react to somebody, is this in line with it? Mm-hmm. And just until you train yourself, I think that's such a good like anchor for businesses to look back to constantly, but you have to take the action. Yeah. I think everything like the best companies that I know and the women in our community that have the strongest businesses are so aligned with their core values and they know the direction they're heading in. And then when something pops up an opportunity arises or, you know, they're looking at starting to host some form of community gatherings or interactions with their clients, it's, you know, just looking at everything through that lens of does this align with our core values? And if not, you know, are we missing something in the core values or is this thing just not a good fit for us? And it just helps make every decision so much easier and including those around building community. Yeah. And so I think one thing that, you know, I had a note here because oftentimes people so desperately want to belong. This is like a Brene Brown thing, but the belonging versus fitting in. And as somebody who's leading a community, how do you, I guess, suss out true belonging versus those who are kind of faking it to fit in? And does, does it matter? Yeah, of course. I mean, it matters to me. Yeah. I will be totally honest. It has been so much harder online. Um, It wasn't as hard online this past year for our members who were part of Dovetail when we could be together in person, when we were having dinners and camp and, you know, those that have been to multiple summits. I think they feel a lot stronger connection to one another because they've just had more of those in-person and and kind of in-depth experiences. Like when we do our summit, we're in a private lodge somewhere. It's really intimate. There's usually fewer than 40 women. We break out into really small groups. They go really deep with each other. And that sort of experience, because we, we foster it, does create a stronger sense of belonging. When you do something that's a little bit bigger, like camp, and then when there are, you know, unfortunately are not a lot of opportunities to be together in person, and then some people join the online programs and some don't, 
sometimes that feels a little bit more like you're kind of fitting in for a weekend or you fit in loosely. And unless you really try to make those tighter connections with people when you're at an event like that, then yeah, it doesn't feel like the same level of belonging. Well, that's it for part one, folks. We're leaving you on a bit of a cliffhanger. Belonging versus fitting in. When you're not meeting in person, how do you gauge whether or not your clients or your team members are truly engaged with your community and your vision? Be sure to tune in to part two next week where Alexis and I explore this question and more and provide some practical tips to help engage your team and your wider community. Do you like what you've heard so far? Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite player and leave us a review. Reviews help us so much and help others find our show. And I want to know, what might be holding you back from becoming the leader you know you can be? Whether it's conflicting priorities, time, or maybe you just need a little guidance, there's hope. You can do it. If you're interested in creating a team that thrives, reach out. Let's chat about what we can do together. I'd also love to hear from you about your challenges and successes as a leader. We can learn together how to inspire one another and build the culture we want in our work and in our lives. Connect with me through Instagram at Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-E dot Livingstone, L-I-V-I-N-G-S-T-O-N-E or reach out directly by email at ashley at ourforte.ca. That's O-U-R-F-O-R-T-E dot C-A.